tall people standing up to kind of block the way. And one of those tall people is me. And, you know, it's, it's my scooter. It's my scooter. But I just want you to see what I see. And, and I just want you to see, like, how the Lord is literally working before our eyes. And so I want to show you this first picture. This first picture I took uh, whenever us as a church were like, you know what? We are going to be a bilingual familia of faith. Like we are literally going to do it and we're going to say, Lord, we trust you. We don't know exactly what it looks like, but we're going to commit to this. And so there is some painting that needs to be done in this little room because this little room is really where a lot of things started. And I want to show you the next picture uh, because after painting it and putting some, you know, black tablecloths, which are famous around this building, um, that was the first Sunday that I was like, okay, I'm going to preach in English and then I'm going to lead a small group in Spanish. And that was the first Sunday, and you can kind of see, you know, the iPad and all that kind of stuff. There is no turning back. Um, I just remember that Sunday leaving and going, Lord, <laughs> there is no turning back. Like, there is no turning back, and you're going to have to use all of our people. Like, this isn't just a Misael thing. Like, this is going to have to be all of us. And so, uh, you know, this thing happened, the, the scooter tearing, tearing my Achilles, all that happened. And, and last Sunday... Um, I get here and they're just telling me that there's going to be this like meal um, upstairs. And I was like, upstairs? Are you serious? Like I'm going to have to jump up there. And so I get up there to this meal and it's these two small groups that had combined to, to like have a meal together. And I want to show you this picture of, of, yester or of last Sunday. And guys, it, it just blew my mind. Number one, it blew my mind because I think some of our small groups like Truth Seekers and Thursday Night Friends have influenced <laughs> these small groups about eating together. But it also blew my mind because for only, like, except two couples, none of these people you see on the screen were here when I took those first two pictures. And I just sit here and I go, we have brown people who speak English, brown people who speak Spanish, some people who speak both. We got white people and black people that speak different languages here. And I'm just like, I cannot believe what I'm seeing before my eyes. And this is just like a small glimpse of what we're talking about. So I'm just, I'm not trying to just hype up this group or this picture, or this room. This is just a small glimpse of what God is doing um, because there's just so many more things that God is doing. Like it's literally blowing my mind that there's these leaders and, and individuals who I just love and respect so much and who I just highly value. And there's these leaders in Tulsa and Oklahoma who are looking at me saying, hey, we want to be a part of what God is doing at the Mission Church, La Misión Iglesia. And you know what my first thing, my first answer is? I just kind of roll up to them in my scooter and I go, hey, are you sure? Like, are you sure, like, you want to, like, join, like, what God is doing here? Like, are you sure? And I asked them, like, five times. I'm like, are you sure? Because, like, you're amazing and I respect you and, and this is awesome, but, like, are you sure? And they look at me and they just tell me what I've been feeling and they tell me what I've been seeing, but they just look at me and they go, I know that the Holy Spirit is at work. And I just want to join in in what God is doing. And I just sense that God is doing something in this community. And, and they sense the same thing that I sense in this community and in this church and in this building. And they sense these three words, God's not done. He is not done. He's not done with this place. He's not done with you. He's not done moving. Like he's not done bringing in people and raising up people to invest in a community that has been uninvested in. He's, he's bringing people in to infiltrate a forgotten community with the gospel. And, 
And you see, in the middle of my inconvenience, because this is very inconvenient, by the way. I can't even put pressure on my foot without my little boot. But in the midst of this inconvenience, I look at these pictures and I just go, God, you are using the church. You are using these individuals. Like God is using you. And it's just so incredible because this is so much bigger than Misael. This is so much bigger than just this one place. Like the vision we have is like a God-sized vision to see bilingual communities restored by Christ. And that's going to take literally all of us. It's going to take all of us to say, you know what, things are going to be uncomfortable. Maybe I don't know a certain language, but I just know that God is glorified in the midst of my weakness. God is glorified in the midst of my inconvenience. God is glorified because it's all about his kingdom. And sure, we have dreams and ideas, but ultimately it's all about his kingdom. And so as we look at a passage together and as we look at just how we're going to continue in this series of extraordinary acts of God, I don't know if there could be a more timely passage and message for us today. Because when I was looking at this, I was like, God, are you serious? (laughs) I was like, are you serious that you would put this passage on this day in this moment in my life? And here's why I say that. Because the message for today is this. Extraordinary inconvenience extraordinary inconvenience. You see, the reason we have this this series of extraordinary acts of God is because God does some things that for him are very ordinary, but for us it's just extraordinary when we see it happen. And so we're just going to continue and we're going to look in in this passage together, and I'll give you the passage in a minute, but I just want to ask you a question real quick because I know my answer, and I'm going to ask the question, and I really do want you to like yell out and like give me some answers. But what would you consider like a horrible inconvenience? Like what would you consider a horrible inconvenience? And you can't say, oh, turn my Achilles. You can't say that. You can't say that. Come up with something original, please. An arm. Okay, someone breaking an arm. What else do we got? Wasting an ankle. That's the worst. Not being able to drive. Car accident. Car problems, dude, the worst. We have some people in here that have some car problems. You know who you are. You know who you are. Anybody else? Anybody else? Breaking an instrument, especially when you're on stage. Or you're like, Doo-doo-doo. that's happened before. You're like, Doo-doo-doo, and it just string breaks. It's the worst. Pipes freezing. Yes. Mm. And the water's going everywhere. The worst. <laughs> yeah. Having an instrument fly at you. Yeah, that's... That's a new one, especially when it breaks, right? So there's all of these horrible inconveniences, right, that happen. And so it's interesting as you think about that in in life, there are moments where inconveniences happen because of our own decision, someone else's decision. They happen because we live in a sinful world. I mean, all these inconveniences happen, but sometimes, sometimes when I look at this, I go, I wonder if sometimes those things are are like horrible inconveniences are really like God's holy interference. Like what if it's like God's holy interference in, in, in our life and God's holy interference of saying, you know what, I am going to interrupt your life for a little bit because I'm God and I can because I'm here to just like sit you down and show you something because you need to learn something. And so it's interesting just the balance of like God's sovereignty and yes, he's in control, but also the balance of 
God giving us freedom to choose, to love him, to pursue him, to know him. And so there's this whole balance. And, and I just wonder if sometimes those things that seem like inconveniences are really God's holy interference of saying, hey, let me just like teach you something real quick. And so the focus of the message today is, is really this whole idea of like inconvenience or interference and trying to discern that. Like, is this an inconvenience or is this really God's interference? And so as we look together at this passage, uh, which is actually in Acts chapter 28, and so go ahead and turn there in Acts chapter 28, we're going to look at the life of Paul, and, and really this is the last chapter of Acts, and we're going to look at the life of Paul and how Paul had to really discern and really just process, like, is this an inconvenience because of my decision or someone else's decision or sin or is this God's holy interference in my life? And he had to really discern that. And, and once you get to the last parts of Acts, it's really interesting because, again, Acts is all about the kingdom of God. It's all about, you know, the, the church being grown and proclaimed, the gospel being proclaimed. It's all about God's salvation has come to everybody. And it's kind of crazy because you get to, like, Acts chapter 26 and, and God, uh, not God, now Paul is arrested for, like, no reason just because he's sharing the gospel and he's being taken to Caesar. And then in Acts chapter 27, it's kind of funny because... Because it's almost like you kind of have like a whole pirate show in Acts chapter 27. Uh, because they're like in sea and things are going crazy. And in the middle of all of that, Paul is still, you know, proclaiming the gospel. And then you get to Acts chapter 28. And they get to this spot. And uh, they finally land in this little land, this little island called Malta. And uh, Paul is there and he goes, well, what am I doing here? But what he does is he continues to follow the Lord and to do what he's been told. And, and, and Paul continues to proclaim the gospel and, and heal individuals in the name of Jesus. And, and then we get to kind of the last part of Acts chapter 28, which is where we get because Paul has now finally made it to Rome. And he's still kind of in this house arrest, but he establishes himself and he's living by himself with this one guard. Um, and again, I'm assuming he's just sitting there going, okay, now what? And so after three days of resting and eating and just saying, okay, Lord, like I'm trying to discern what you want me to do, we see Paul's faithfulness in continuing what God had called him to do. And so what he does is he goes out and he begins to talk to all these Jewish leaders, and he has to be a little creative. And so I want you to, to see here in Acts chapter 28, verses 23 all the way to 31. So in Acts chapter 28, verses 23 to 31 says this. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even large numbers to the place where he was staying. And this is all the Jewish leaders that came in. He witnessed to them from morning to evening, explaining that the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave uh, after Paul had made his final statement. And here is his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah, the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they meet or they might see with their eyes hear with the ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. 
Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. And so as we read all of this and and as we just process all this and see what Paul was having to process and go through and what he did, the first point I want you to see from the first verses here is that there is creativity in inconvenience. There is creativity and inconvenience. You see, Paul was in this moment, and he was like, man, I'm somewhere. I'm in house arrest. Like, I don't know what to do. So Paul had to get a little creative and not only go out to the Jewish leaders, but he had to say, okay, how can I still do what God has called me to do, but maybe in a different way? How can I maybe bring them into my house, and how can I maybe uh, do something else to where I can still tell them about who Jesus is? And again, he's creative because he uses the whole Old Testament, and apparently these Jewish leaders were like super experts in the Old Testament and the law. And so in all of this, I'm, I'm so assuming that Paul had to just struggle with like, okay, is this an inconvenience in my life because of my decision, someone else's decision because of sin, or is this God's holy interference to where these Jewish leaders can be standing in my home, like literally in large crowds in my home, and be able to tell them about Jesus and tell them about who the Lord is. And so as we look at this, there's just this reality that we're reminded that we can't control every situation. We can't control every circumstance we have in our life. We can't control a lot of things in our life. But some things that we can control is our obedience and our faithfulness to God. And that's what we see Paul doing. He can control his obedience and his faithfulness to God of saying, God, I'm still going to preach the gospel to these Jewish leaders. And, and then he uses Isaiah 6, which I'll tell you in a minute why that's so important and who also quoted Isaiah 6 to other leaders. But you see all of this, and Paul is just witnessing to them and saying, like, I just want you to be convinced that the, the God of the Old Testament is the God that we saw before us in Jesus, that we got to see him in the flesh. And again, I don't know... I don't know all that process that, that Paul went through, but what I know is that he was obedient and faithful. And in the midst of our inconvenience, and I don't know what inconvenience you might have, maybe the one that you said out loud. I don't know about the thrown instrument one, but um, I don't know which inconvenience you threw out loud. I was like, man, that's the one I'm facing in this moment. And what I just want to encourage you with is that all of us at some point in time will face this inconvenience or this interference. And as we discern that, what I know is that individually, or together, we're going to have to be obedient and faithful. We're going to have to be obedient and faithful and be creative in what God has called us to do. We're going to have to do some things that maybe we're trying to accomplish the same thing, but in a different way. Just like Paul had to do that. And, you know, I think most of you or some of you know the reality that, you know, we are uh, financially backed majority by, you know, First Baptist Church Owasso. And, and I'm just really grateful for that because uh, they truly do help us out. And uh, but there's just some creativity we have to do because, you know, our budget is limited. And I'm just always asking the question, how can we do more with less? How can we do more with less and then wait on the Lord and see if he gives more? But if he doesn't, we're going to be faithful stewards. And we're going to do more with less and say, God, I don't know who you want us to partner with. God, I don't know who you want us to meet. But if we can do less with more for your glory and for your kingdom, we're going to do it. And this summer... I'm, I'm, I don't know, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, summer's coming up, like, faster than I think I want to admit. 
And this summer, I'm just telling you, God is going to do more with less because we're going to do all these parent conferences in schools. Like, I'm just pumped for, like, tonight because tonight's, like, the beginning of the women's ministry. Um, And it's going to be in different homes, like, once a month. And then when I look at what God is doing with different partnerships, like, we're getting to partner with Be Heard Movement. Uh, We're getting to partner with One Hope Tulsa. And we're getting to partner with Springs of Grace. I mean, there's all of these people who are like, I just want to come alongside of you. And I just want to be for the kingdom. And again, it blows my mind because I just go, are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure? Like even the neighborhood association here is having like the the 70th anniversary of the park, the McClure Neighborhood Park. And the president, who's not a believer, comes to me and says, hey, I just want you to get all the churches together and have like a kid's zone and just love on the kids. And I'm like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. I want you to do that. And I was like, okay, well, cool. I was like, I love you, and I'm trying to be your friend, and I'm trying to share the gospel with you because you need it. Goodness. She's a mess. I love her, though. I love her. If you know who I'm talking about, you love her, too. I'm not going to say her name. But I just think about what God is doing, and I just, and I just look at what happened here. And, and Paul did everything he did to be creative, to share the gospel, but... In the midst of all that, people still rejected the gospel, but Paul continued. And then for us, I don't know if it's the examples I just gave, or I don't know if it's with your kids or with your friends or with your family, but whenever these inconveniences come, like, we have to still continue and help people be inspired to know God and to be able to read his word and to tell them the good news and just be like, man, I just, I got to continue to share with you what's so amazing about God the God who values your your life, the God who has given you breath in your lungs, like like we just sang, the God who is so great, the God who, like, even though I literally can't walk, I just say, God, you're still so good. And I've had this thought in my mind, and I was like, I know it's cheesy, but I just have to share it. Like, I've just been laying in bed, like, for the past two weeks, and it's just been kind of annoying, I'll be honest with you. And I've just been laying there, and I just go, okay, if I had the choice between walking again Or if I had the choice between never walking again and, like, having Jesus in my life, would I actually choose Jesus or would I want to just walk? It's like, man, if I had the choice between never walking or having Jesus, that's like, Lord, like, help me to always choose Jesus. Because there's about 10 minutes in my day that I get so frustrated that's like, you know, I just kind of rather walk right now. And so I just want to choose Jesus every time. And so as we look at this passage together, I want to give you a a second point here because it's so important to see what Paul did. And the second point here is is not only creativity, but there is opportunity and inconvenience as well. There is opportunity and inconvenience. And as you read all of this, you see that Paul was sharing the gospel and he was truly taking this opportunity to speak to these Jewish leaders. And he takes the opportunity to quote Isaiah chapter 6. And what's so interesting is that this same quote and this same passage and these same verses are the same ones that Jesus quoted to people of of helping them understand why he used parables when he spoke. Why he used parables and now Paul is using it and he's practically looking at the Jewish leaders and saying, you guys are so stubborn. You're just so stubborn and like you're hearing all of these noises but you're not understanding. You're seeing all of these images but you're really not seeing man, you're just not hearing, you're not seeing, you're not understanding, and he's just looking at them. And when I was, like, doing some research on this passage, uh, I came across a commentary, and there's this guy named Marshall, 
And I don't know his last name, but Marshall apparently is, is really cool and awesome because he has this quote that when I read it, I was like, this is exactly what Paul was doing. Because what Paul was doing was giving the word of God to the Jewish leaders. And here's what the word of God does. So Marshall puts it this way. He says, God's word brings the diagnosis of sin, which is painful to hear and accept. Which is painful to hear and accept. But at the same time, it wounds, gosh, this is crazy. It wounds in order to heal. Once a person deliberately refuses the word, there comes a point when he is deprived of the capacity to receive. It is stern warning to those who trifle with the gospel. And so it's just interesting as, as I wrestled with that quote and wrestled with that, it just reminded me of something that I've been learning in my life that, and maybe because I've been laying down and thinking a lot, but when it comes to healing and when it comes to restoration, like it can't happen without pain. Healing and restoration cannot happen without pain. And I just think about what Paul was doing. And, and I think about when we give the good news of Jesus, like before we give the good news of Jesus, we actually have to give them really bad news. And the bad news is like, hey, I, I know you think you're alive, but you're actually dead. Hey, I, I know you're, you're breathing, but you see there's this disease called sin that's in you that has corrupted you. And so we have to give them that bad news before we can give them any of the good news and and whenever we give them the good news and they accept and they surrender to the Lord, it's just a transformative moment. But you see, after that, there's some progress to be made. After, after the Lord transforms them, man, there's, there's this growth to be made of like, well, now it's time to live a new life. Now it's time to live like you are brand new. Yeah, you did the surgery, but now it's time to learn how to walk again. Man, it's, and it's this progress. And, and I just want to remind you that, like, God is the only one who's perfect. And so when it comes to our life, man, God is just like, hey, I just want to see progress. I want to see progress. And I want you to see progress as you pursue the perfect one who's God. And I was talking to some friends, and, and they just really reminded me of this, of this truth, and, and I just want to share it with you, is that when I just look at, Every single generation, like it doesn't matter if you're super old or super young or your grandparents or great-grandparents or, you know, my great-grandkids, whatever. Every single generation wants like this traumatic event before they surrender to Jesus. Like it just seems like every generation is like, man, I'm not going to surrender to Jesus until my car breaks down or until I tear my Achilles or until something traumatic happens in my life. And I just want to look at them and say, Bruh, dude, my guy, amigo, I don't know what you guys say, friend. I just want to look at you and say you don't need a traumatic event to surrender to Jesus. What you need is a transformative moment when you recognize your sin and you recognize your Savior and you go, I just have to surrender to him. This one moment where you recognize like one day I'm going to be face to face with the Lord this one transformative moment where you say, I need Jesus more than I need the ability to walk, more than I need the breath in my lungs. Because he is great and he is good. And so Paul is taking this opportunity to share that. And, and all of us, again, in a really simple way, have to take every inconvenience or every interference to say, I'm going to take that opportunity to tell people about who Jesus is. And uh, I was able to speak uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago, um, at this, like, student uh, conference, student weekend thing. 
And uh, again, I was in my little scooter. And there's this kid that came up to me afterwards, and he's like, hey, man, you've really inspired me. And I was like, okay, how do I inspire you? And he's like, well, I was born with my feet like this, and I really only have like 20% of strength in each Achilles. So I can't really run. He's like, I can just like walk. And, and I was like, man. I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I was like, hey, you want to know something cool? And he's like, what? I was like, well, you have more of Achilles than I do right now. And he's like, oh, you're right. Yes. And like walked away. And I was like, okay, that makes me feel better. Goodness. I was like, you know what? I'm going to roll away. I'll catch you later. And, uh, and it's just interesting because like in that moment, I was like, okay, Lord, thank you that you use everything, even like this for your glory, because at least that kid paid attention a little bit, you know, at least it was just a small moment where he was like, oh, nice. And it just leads me to believe, and, it, and just when I look at this passage of Paul, of some believed and, and some didn't, and, and there's moments where Paul healed people in the name of Jesus, and there's sometimes he didn't, and he just like spoke the word. And in every single instance, some people did believe and some people didn't believe. And it just makes me go, okay, Lord, you are the great healer. Okay, Lord, yes, you can do whatever you want. Yes, Lord, you are the one who takes care of me the most. You're the greatest caretaker of my life. And yes, Lord, you are glorified when you heal. But there are also these moments that I just, I just can't, I can't scoot away from, run away from. That there are just moments that God is also glorified when he doesn't heal. God is also glorified when he doesn't automatically heal or automatically say you can walk or automatically goes, you know what? Yeah, get up and go. But there's these moments where God is just so glorified in our weakness. God is so glorified when he's like, you know what? In my great love and my great understanding and my great knowledge, I'm not going to heal you because I'm more glorified through that. And again, I just think of so many examples. You talk about Paul, and Paul said he had this thorn in his flesh. You think about Moses, like God didn't take away his speech impediment. Like, he, like Moses had to talk to Aaron, and then Aaron was like uh, Moses' spokesman. And it's just amazing to think how God used all of these people in their weakness, in the midst of their weakness, in the midst of their inconvenience. And I just think about all of this, and I say, God, thank you that you're still glorified in our weaknesses and we take those opportunities to share about the only one who gives us value. And so, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to glorify you as the giver of my value in every single opportunity, in every single instance, inconvenience and interference. And that really leads us to the last one because I just want us to think and just kind of shift our mindset from inconvenience to interference. Because the third point that we see in this passage is there is beauty there is absolute beauty in interference. There is beauty when God intervenes, when God is the one that says, I'm going to bring this in your life so you can sit and you can listen and you can learn. There's beauty in God's holy interference of saying, I'm going to use this so you can be creative, so you can have opportunities, so you can share and Again, all of the content of, of Acts and what we see here in Paul just points to the kingdom of God and it points to Jesus being Lord. And, and again, you see this beauty of Paul staying there in this rented house for two years and it literally says that he welcomed all who came. He welcomed everyone who he saw, which is something that we should do. And then he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught them about the Lord Jesus Christ 
with all boldness and without hindrance. And I think if Paul was here today, I think what he would say is it's not about me. I think what Paul would say is like, hey, when you read about my life, do you think that I was victorious? Do you think that I was triumphal? Because I wasn't. The only thing that was victorious, the only thing that triumphed was the gospel and it was Jesus. Paul would say, dude, I was still in chains. I was still a prisoner. I was still stuck, but the gospel wasn't stuck. The gospel wasn't in chains. The gospel wasn't imprisoned. It continued and it continued and it continued. And if Paul was here, he'd go, man, I just want to remind you that God is the greatest caretaker of your soul. He's the greatest caretaker of your body. He's the greatest caretaker of your mind. He's the greatest caretaker of all of who you are. So why would you not surrender to the one who takes care of all of who you are? Surrender all of who you are to him. And I think he would say that, and, and as I've processed this, I was, and as I've processed my own inconvenience and interference, I think he would say that because he would encourage us to say, you know what, I'm telling you this because it is so easy to sin. It is so easy to sin when we are inconvenienced. It is so easy to sin when our life is interrupted. It is so easy to sin when you're just like laying in bed and you got nothing else to do and you're just like, God, like this is ridiculous. It is so easy to sin when we do have the car problems, the instruments and all of the things we've talked about. It's so easy to sin in those moments. And, and I just wanna encourage you with saying, and there's beauty in the interference and when we're in the middle of this horrible inconvenience or this holy interference in our life, there's kind of these two options. In that moment, are you gonna love sin more than you love God? In that moment, are you gonna run to sin or are you gonna run to God? And really, that's just where I wanna end. Because though this is really encouraging, I just think about Paul being in that house and he could have very well just sinned. He could have very well just been like, yeah, I'm just done. I'm just gonna sit in my chains and I'm just gonna do nothing. He could have very well sinned, but instead he chose God. And that's just what I want to encourage you with. Let's go ahead and just take a moment to pray and take a moment to ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we come before you as broken people, as people who are so weak. And God, I've been just so reminded of how weak I am. God, forgive us for sinning against you and choosing to ignore you rather than adore you. God, thank you for how you are Lord above all things, that you are the greatest caretaker of our souls and everything of who we are. And because of that, thank you that you do interrupt our lives. Thank you for this holy interference that you sometimes give us. Help us discern, Lord, what is a inconvenience from a decision or sin and, and what's a holy interference, Lord.
God, we need you. And, and I pray that we would be a church that is so ready to be creative, a church that is so ready to take advantage of opportunity, and a church that is so ready to just say, there is beauty in everything that the Lord gives. There is beauty in everything that the Lord takes. And God, I praise you in the midst of it all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.